Good morning, Gator Nation. Welcome to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. I'm your host, Neil Schulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather blog, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. You can also follow our new YouTube channel, the In All Kinds of Weather forecast on YouTube. A lot to talk about today. Mostly going to focus on the Gators stickball teams as they ratchet up their their races for the postseason. Going to talk a little bit of NFL draft first, though. But before we get into any of that, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. For those of y'all who are new listeners, we collect donations from fans and use them to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. If you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one, it's a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and big-time Gator fan. And three, they've got the personal stamp of approval from in all kinds of weather, as they did our new logo and our new website and the Gator Good Foundation website. And they do all the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club, and they've still got more Gator-related projects on the horizon. So if you're listening to this pod and your brand or company needs any help in the aforementioned areas, rest assured that Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. To view their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. And lastly, quick shout out to the six Gators who got drafted in the NFL draft. Today, we are focusing primarily on baseball and softball as they begin their final approaches toward the postseason. But six Gator football players had their lifelong dreams of being drafted come true. Shout out to Anthony Richardson going number four overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Defensive tackle Javon Dexter going 53 overall in the second round to the Bears. Consensus All-American offensive guard Osiris Torrance, who never gave up a sack or committed a penalty for the Florida Gators, going number 59 overall to the Buffalo Bills. And defensive Mr. Everything, Ventrell Miller, going 121 overall in the fourth round to Jacksonville. Wide receiver Justin Shorter going 150 overall in the fifth round to the Buffalo Bills. And Amari Bernie going in the sixth round to the Las Vegas Raiders. These guys... Gave their blood, sweat, and tears for the Gators. Osiris Torrance for one sensational year and the others for several years apiece. I, I was thankful. I, I hate to make this about me, but I was thankful to be able to be in the room a year ago when my guy, James Houston, was drafted. So I can just imagine the emotions going through every family member and close friend at each of those draft parties the lifelong dream of each of these guys coming true. Yes, there's a lot of work to be done. This is the starting point, not an ending point. But this marks the start of hopefully what is a long, successful career for each of them in the NFL. And that in itself is something to be celebrated. So congratulations to each of them. And several Gators who did not get drafted are also getting their chances as undrafted free agents in the NFL too. 
Trey Dean to the Jets, Rashad Torrance to the Rams, Richard Garage, the third cater to go to the Bills this year and the fourth in the last two years with Kyer Elam last year. Brenton Cox to the Packers and former Gator turned Utah Ute Muhammad Diabate signing with the Cleveland Browns. So congrats to each and every one of y'all. Go make millions, stay healthy, and may all your NFL dreams come true. And with all of that taken care of, our stickball intern slash specialist Ethan Howick is with us to recap the past couple of weeks of Gator stickball. Whatever roller coaster, Ethan, especially, I'm all, not especially, both sports got swept uh, two weeks ago on the road to very good teams, but especially with baseball going from getting swept to pulling off the sweep on its own. And then uh, Gator softball getting swept and then coming back to pull off a series win against Ole Miss. But first things first, season been a while since we've last talked on the show. How's everything going with you? How've the Gators been doing in your eyes? And um, yeah, I mean, what's it been like to watch them over the past couple of months? It's been very interesting. I like going to a variety of games. Like I go to a, quite a bit of the mid midweek games because I think they always bring out something interesting. You get to see the younger players play a little bit more. You get to see uh, pitchers that you wouldn't normally see, like in series against teams that we just saw, South Carolina. And uh, it's very important for us to use those pitchers because it's for the future of the program. These are the type of pitchers that we're going to be seeing more later in the years. But um, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, I've enjoyed watching the games. I love going to Florida Gators games. It it's very it's it's like kind of like you're part of, you know what I mean, following the team, analyzing the schedule, looking at the opponents. Kind of like you're not really a part of the team in a way, because I know I'm not, but it just feel like you're kind of dealing with the grind a little bit too, because you're just following the games and checking in on the scores and everything. And yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing and also catching up a little bit on school. I've kind of missed out a little bit on time because I've been, I was in the hospital for a little bit for some unforeseen medical issues that I'm glad are over with. I'm very happy about that. And I'm glad to be here and talking Florida Gator sports with you. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. Definitely glad to hear that, that the the medical issue has been, been resolved. I uh, won't go, won't go too much into that. That's, that's more your, your private business, but um, I think, no, people should know that that you are going to be fine. You are fine, um, and you're going to continue to be fine. Nothing, nothing long term, so we, we don't think. But I mean, that's what you were saying about Gator baseball, softball teams. It's definitely an investment. I mean, it's it's an investment that that you and and anyone who ever sets foot in Condren or KSP is is making in the Gator stickball teams, and it's one that I think, especially for baseball, is going to pay off because you have you know the the MLB you've got a more widely known you know network of professional sports it doesn't really unfortunately it's very unfortunate that this, that this is the case but it, it doesn't really work that same way with softball I mean yeah there are the Olympics there is athletes unlimited which by the way I think is really really cool but it just doesn't have the appeal but for baseball you're going to get to say yeah you know I saw you know Pete Alonzo I saw a Jonathan India I saw an Alex Fajardo when they were in college something that I think is really cool to be able to tell all your friends and, and relatives um you know at a Thanksgiving table or whatever but yeah I mean th this team I think is another one that we're going to be able to say is going to be like those teams of the of the mid 2000 teens I mean they've got and Judd Fabian's gone, but and Caglione probably going to be a good pro. Wyatt Langford, 
going to be a good pro. Brandon Sprout, I mean, was a third-round pick last year, came back to make his stock even higher, and this past week did nothing to to dissuade scouts from taking him as SEC co-pitcher of the week. Hurston Waldrop, another one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll start with softball because that's the sport I think that is is most mo- most iffy right now, getting swept at Tennessee. I think you know, no one really thought that once the first game started, they got you know, mercy rule, they lost 9-1. I think that was just a game that everyone said from the moment it started, yeah, we're just th- – th- this isn't our night. But – Games two and three, the the Sunday and the Monday games, Florida had leads in, and they blew them both. And this is something that, for most of Tim Walton's career, Florida doesn't happen. Florida softball typically has elite pitching, and I I still will push back uh, and say a little bit that you know Elizabeth Hightower does have great stuff. I think she can be very good for the Florida Gators, but pitching staff just isn't there. And when you score ten runs and six runs in back to back softball games. You like to think, yeah, you're probably going to win both those games in in modern college softball. Florida lost them both because they gave up 11 and 10 in both nights. So start with that Tennessee series for the softball team. A sweep, two close losses, one run rule loss. Uh, What what do you make of all that? I think it's very, like, I've been watching Gator softball for, started more closely lately. But it's just unusual to see that kind of pitching just our pitching just totally just fall downhill once we seem to be playing good, better competition. We saw in the beginning of the year how dominant they looked against lower-end opponents, but then starting recently when we've been playing SEC schedules, it's been very inconsistent. And what we've seen in the past from Gator softball is pure consistency, pure strike throwing. doesn't have to be amazing stuff. It doesn't have to be a wipeout changeup or a riding high rise ball. It just it it was a consistency. That's what we saw. We didn't see the blowing leads that we that we have been seeing lately. And even though I don't want to go too far ahead here, even though we won the Ole Miss series, we saw the first two games the Gators get the lead at first and then lose it. And uh, that's a very unusual thing for Gator softball. And it's all about, in my opinion, just not. It's all about the mindset from the pitchers. I mean, Elizabeth Hightower, she has phenomenal stuff. We've seen it. We've seen her change up beyond point. I saw it when I was there on sun, on Saturday against Ole Miss on senior day. It was great seeing the seniors, all the eight seniors I think we've had being graduating this year. I mean, that's a lot and all contributed different varyings to the program, but all great Gators that stayed. You, they either stayed the full four years and just – supporting the team where they were huge contributors and uh it's it's very important to see that once we get that lead we need to see the pitchers also hold that lead and continue to play with that same effort of that oh we're ahead two runs i don't do i have to be amazing do i have to throw strikes and strike everybody out no but i also need to not give up those crooked number innings, which we saw a lot going back to the Tennessee series. I mean, it was from the get-go. I mean, that run rule loss that didn't even finish five innings was the point. I mean, we saw that crooked number on the bottom of the third inning, the six runs Tennessee put, and it was just from there, it was just not Hightower's night that night. And uh, then the next day, Hightower's on the hill again and just, the Gators had the offense. They put up that four runs in the top of the first, 
And then we saw the pitching just kind of just fall downhill later. And those crooked numbers were the big issue in that series. So it's just about, it just hasn't been the same. We haven't been seeing the same Elizabeth Hightower as we have in the past, but she's still very, she still has the makeup to be a consistent and good pitcher when she's on point. And hopefully we can see that going into these very important series coming up. Yeah. I mean, the, the one point you didn't take uh, yet, and maybe you were going to talk about this with the rebel series, but I just feel so bad for Skylar Wallace. She she is on such a tear for this Gator softball team. She's hitting 456 for the year, which is absolutely unheard of. And she, I mean, her, she's she's got 16 home runs, which is also unheard of. And Florida's a team that's going to fight tooth and nail. Just forget hosting a super regional. They're going to fight tooth and nail to host a regional, to host at all in the NCAA tournament because the pitching just hasn't been there. And like you said, Hightower has been great at points in her career. She's been great at points this year, but, and I, and I love, I love watching her pitch. I love what she can do when she's on. There are just some days this year where a lot of her pitches are meeting barrels. She's giving up big hits, not, not not Baltimore chops that just happen to bounce off the ground and spike over def, you know defenders' heads. Not just you know ground balls that find a hole. Not batters getting under them and just popping them up, but they fall down in the Bermuda Triangle. Not bad luck. She's she's met a lot of barrels this year, and that's the sign of a pitcher that's just that's that's struggling. You know, and it's it's really difficult to to sit here and. And talk about because I I am a huge fan of I mean her story first committing to Florida you know so long ago the fifth year senior I love what she has done for the Gators I mean she had a hand in getting us to Oklahoma City last year which is something that should never be overlooked or dismissed getting to Oklahoma City anytime is a huge accomplishment so she had a hand in that good you know thank you for that this year. I mean, she's probably the one of the more consistent pitchers we've got, but the pitching just hasn't been there. The ERA has is as high as it's been so far, and like you, I'm very, very hopeful that that she can string together more consistency. Um, I think that some of that task also falls on her teammates behind her to pick it up in these last couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, right now, I think it's very fair to say that that the pitching is as concerning as I think it's ever really been under Tim Wall because Florida has always been a team that's been dominant in the pitching circle. They've never had this be a real problem before. And now you're looking at the team that's scoring 16 runs in the span of two games and losing them both. That's just unheard of for the Gators. I mean, go back to the long list of All-American pitchers that they've had. I mean, Stacey Nelson, Stephanie Brombacher, Hannah Rogers, uh, Lauren Hager, Alicia ocasio there's so many great names on the mound, and this year's team just isn't getting it done. And it's frustrating beyond the point of words for anyone who's who's really followed this team for a while and invested in them as much as I think you and I have as fans. But it does get better, though. Gators did bounce back. Uh, well, there was a loss to FSU in between. I think FSU is just, just simply a better team. That game kind of felt like it wasn't going to be Florida's night from the first pitch, but the Gators do bounce back and they, they did beat Ole Miss, I think to at least for another week, 
keep their their hosting dreams alive. So what did, what did you take away from that that series against Ole Miss? The final series, by the way, in the regular season that, as you mentioned, the seniors will ever play. Maybe they'll host, maybe not. But as far as regular season goes, the last time they'll ever play in KSP. So nice emotional story there. But what did you take away from that series win against the Rebels? Um, I saw a great – not it wasn't a sweep probably would have been great but i saw a very good bounce back series for the gators i mean i saw seniors contributing this series i mean the first game you talk about charlotte Eccles absolutely blasting a home run two it hit off one of the foul went off the light poles out in right field i mean she absolutely demolished that pitch and then we also saw riley Trilchek in the first game Pitch a very good game, and she underratedly is a senior, and she's having a great ending to her career. Great story as well. She bounced back. She's been bouncing back very much this year, and that's been very important for the Gators. Just to have, it may not have be Elizabeth Hightower's year just yet. It could change. She could finish off her career in a very important way and get us, maybe even sneak us into a regional like she, like you previously mentioned, took us into a called women's called World Series last year. Maybe she will do that. But Riley Trilchek does deserve quite a bit of credit this year for having this phenomenal senior year. And and obviously, Charles Eichel is just continuing to be a dominant bat as well as Skylar Wallace at the same time. And game two was the game I was at, unfortunately. It was senior day, so it was great to see the Gators honor those uh, eight seniors on the team. Um, and they started um, some seniors that hadn't been starting in the past. And it was nice to see that. Like, again, Kinsey Gells, another senior that ha- has been on the team for for her time as, as a Gator and hadn't been given the complete chance to start much this year, probably, but she was able to start that senior day. And also, it, I was at the game Elizabeth Hightower pitched, and from what I've noticed is that it's just – that game, it wasn't fully on her, the reason why we lost. It was more on the fact that we had a bunch of hits and we just couldn't bring home the runs, and that was why we lost. It was a little bit of an unlucky, unfortunate loss. And then the third game, we from the get-go, we, we were the ones who came back. Ole Miss put two on, in the top of the first inning, put two runs up on the board, and then the Gators continued to make good at bats and what i've noticed even in the game i went to that we lost is that we take pitches and we work at bats and i know that's not as important in softball as in baseball i get it because the pitch counts don't matter as much but it does notice that we do have the ability to work the counts and define the pitches we want to swing and barrel up and uh that that game was very Good. Pretty much everybody looking at the box score, everybody did something that game. And we've run World Ole Miss and finished off that series in a very important way. And we're still one game under 500 in the SEC. But uh, it was an important series win, and we have another important one coming. And so, yes, 12 to 2 win to cap off a series win. And we'll see what happens this weekend. First things first, you're right about, about Hightower that I don't think the loss was was so much on her. I, I do think that when you when you give up three runs and in, in four innings in the third, I think in typically in SEC softball, you should win the game. Um, but yeah, I mean the Gators just didn't get the hits they needed that game. I 
again, like, you know, the, the initial point does stand in high towers ERA two years ago was, was 1.61 last year. It was 2.43 and this year so far it's 3.33. So there definitely is an uptick, but I do think that the last two games she pitched were very good for the most part. She did have a couple bats hit barrels, but for the most part, I thought she was very good. And then, you know, as you talked about the offense in game three, was it was everything. I mean, Florida Florida needed a game where they could just walk out of the dugout, blow the other team out, feel good about themselves, not have it be in doubt. The Reagan Walsh walk off in game one was fantastic. It was you know all for that. But I think just for their own confidence, they needed a game where they could just come out and take control of the from the very start and get the W. And they did that. And now, like you said, they're still under 500 in the league with uh only one more series, Kentucky remaining also one more game against FSU um, and then time for the SEC tournament. And then they'll have to wait and see if they get a hosting spot. But in any case, Gator softball, definitely not a bad year. Anytime you're in the conversation for hosting, it's certainly not bad. I think Gator fans have been myself included a little bit spoiled by the fact that Florida has been a top eight seed for pretty much all our existence under Tim Walton last year aside where they wind up a 14 seed and still go to OKC anyway because they they pull off an upset in the super regional but anyway Gator softball does seem to be a bit in limbo right now just got to have to wait and see got to have some more results roll themselves out to us for us to have that data to start making more definitive judgments and analysis on them but yeah, I mean, everything we said so far is is an indication of a team that's definitely got the pieces to do some damage in the tournament, but just going to have to wait and see. Gator Baseball, on the other hand, a team that I think is much more, for starters, dominant. Also, they're just that much more in control. There haven't been that many close calls against the teams that the Gators are supposed to beat. I mean, maybe you can say, well, yeah, you lost a game to Miami and you're better than them. Yeah, there were a couple of midweek games you lost. But, I mean, for the most part, Florida has gone and they have beaten the, the opponents that they're supposed to beat in series. I mean, yes, there have been individual games. Like, they lost the game 10-1 to Auburn. You know, I, I understand that. But in terms of series, the Gators have done what, what they have been supposed to do. Like that changed the- against South Carolina. Gators got swept. By a very good team, but nonetheless, they got swept. So what did you make of that series in Columbia? I was going to follow up on your point. You would always say, you would always post on Twitter that that's the weirdness of baseball. You win you win the series, but then you lose one random game 10 to 1. So I was just going to add on to your point there. Yeah, I mean, it was an unfortunate series. I mean, South Carolina, giving them all the credit, they are a very, very good team, even though – it is the weirdness of baseball. I mean, South is South Carolina as good as how they were when they swept Florida when they played Auburn? We don't know. We don't know what happens. We don't know. It's just about which team shows up. In the first game, pretty even for the first five-ish innings, uh, the Gators were even with them, and then they have, they just walked in a bunch of runners, and that was that was another un- unfortunate loss. Another one where the bullpen just again, was just walking in runners and a disappointing outing for Philip Abner and Nick Ficarota. And it was just, it was just not the Gators night that night. I mean, it was just the bullpen again, another game where the bullpen just flat out pretty much 
lost the game for them. I mean, if you think about giving up 10 runs in two innings, I mean, that's, I, I would say it's fair to say that they lost that game for them. Uh, Brandon Sprout also, I mean, was good up until that's that I would say sixth inning. And he still, still was, still had a solid game, striking out eight and five and two thirds innings. And, but he still did enough to keep the Gators in the game, giving up those four runs, which is giving up enough to keep our our offense, which has been, as you said, very well put together and good. But yes, the Gators lost that game, 13-3, and it was Brandon Sprout who took the loss. And then the next game, it was a little bit more closer, a little bit more not as embarrassing, but at the same time, another game where we just couldn't bring home the hits and the runner, the hits home, and we still at the same time we're giving up the home runs to as you say another great player on South Carolina Ethan Petrie and yes again the Gators lost and that was the series loss the final game the game where another close loss but and on the end all three starters got the losses those games because Caglione started game three Hertz and Waldrop started game two were they they went deep into games, at least Hurst and Waldrop and Spro did, but they still got the losses, and the bullpen was not good enough to stop an offense like South Carolina. Um, that's just very safe to assume. Just nobody really in that series was good enough, whether it be the offense or the pitching, and that's just that's just how it was. That's why they got swept. Yep, and sweeps in baseball are typically the one thing that you absolutely can't have happen. There's a caveat to that that I'll touch on in a second, but typically speaking, you, you get swept in baseball. That's, that's bad news. Like that's like losing 49 to three to, you know, an sec opponent. Like you, you can't have that on your resume. The caveat to that is if you go out and you sweep a bunch of your other sec opponents, which We'll talk about that in a second. So not the end of the world, but we do have to address it because we're talking about the last couple of weeks on this podcast, and that's the first one of the last couple of weeks. So here we go. Um, first point I'll make is that Brandon Sprout, I thought, did very well. He gave up a couple of, of solid hits, but, I mean, he really, even the, the pitch that got him pulled, he got a ground ball out. If it just happened to go by Colby Halter's glove for a double, which is unfortunate because if the ball is hit a foot closer towards Colby Halter's natural position at third base, that's an out and not a double. And I mean, who knows how much longer he's able to stay in the game. And also, and this is where we talk about, thank you, Brian DeBrower for rejecting Brandon Neely, but not having the most reliable reliever in our arsenal at our disposal, having to use guys that, you know, aren't as good. Keep it respectful, but keep it real. The motto of our podcast, we say it every time. Guys who just aren't as good as Brandon Neely, aren't as trustworthy, aren't as reliable, and who gave up 10 runs in two innings, as you said. So I uh, would have liked to maybe seen the offense do a little bit more, but then again, they are facing a very good pitcher. So that, that's hard to hard to really say. But yeah, I mean, it turned out to be a mercy rule loss, actually, because they lost uh, 13 to 3. Everything just sort of melted down. Uh, I mean, fielding errors, just completely wild pitches. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. L, okay, whatever, move on to the next day. 
Then the second game, I mean, the bats again, just they weren't there. I mean, Florida's again facing a very good pitcher. Um, I mean, Jack Mahoney, I think, is actually probably the better starter, honestly, to South Carolina has. But nonetheless, a very good Friday and Saturday combination from South Carolina's pitching staff. Florida did actually get eight hits in that game, but they just couldn't get the clutch hits. They couldn't get the hits with runners in scoring position. I mean, actually only one of their two runs on Saturday was, or one of their runs, one of their two runs on Friday. I keep thinking second game was Saturday, but no, it was on a Friday night because it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Anyway, one of the two runs they got was because of a wild pitch that South Carolina just gave to Florida. The only other run they got was CAG hitting a home run. So that tells me that the Gators were completely and utterly unable to put together a multi-hit rally that produced runs. That's not going to win you games. That is the weirdness of baseball that talk about, but that's just not going to get the job done. And then, you know, the this finale on Saturday, again, Florida just, they got some this time late in the game when they were already down a bunch. They did get some consecutive hits but again for for seven innings Cade Curlin was their only source of runs Curlin hits a homer in the second inning and he hits another homer in the fifth inning both solo shots and that's it Florida only has two runs beside their name through seven innings at that point they're already down 6-2 and it's just that it's hard to come back especially when you have a closer like Chris Veach from South Carolina who's just who's he was unstoppable against the Gators and quite look that way against Auburn but nonetheless a very good closer again it's just hard to get the job done against the guy who only has to lock in for one or two innings and there it was Florida got swept they did come back and I credit them for that but that's a sweep on the Gators resume that as we'll talk about in a second isn't going to do too much damage to them because of things that happened this past weekend I would say that for as bad as that was they did quite a good job of bouncing back the following following week, or I should say now this past week, against the other team from Columbia, Missouri. So, Ethan, what did you take away from that series? Um, I honestly was impressed to see this team bounce back the way they did. Uh, Missouri's still an SEC team. They may not be South Carolina level, and they honestly kind of remind me of a midweek team that goes in and that, isn't very good and sloppy, but they still try hard, and they did for at least two of the three games. I mean, the first game we're going to, I mean, Florida put up an absolute – they they honestly went on a home run. It was a home run derby in the beginning. I mean, we saw Tyler Shelnut hit a home run, Jack Caglione both in the same inning, and both were three-run home runs. So, I mean, that 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 alone just showed you that, well, Florida's offense, just way too dominant, way too dominant for – really Missouri to even get off to a good start. And that was what they had to have done to had a chance. And then more home runs in the fourth and fifth inning. The Gators just kept on adding to their lead in latter innings, making it nine to zero after six. And then you were thinking they had a, they had a chance to run rule, which would have been a phenomenal way to start and resume sec play after a sweep. And I know that was just one game in the series, but that's still the way, the players take it. They take it game by game. And they would think that's a great way to rebound from that first weekend, that last weekend they had against South Carolina. And it was important for that to happen. And the Gators very much answered the bell in the first game. And we saw Brandon Sprout 
be the Brandon Sprout, not just be decent. We saw him be the Brandon Sprout that we all not that we all saw him do in, in against other SEC teams like Alabama remembers complete game shout out. He pitched seven innings, only giving up two hits. But in the SEC, that's excellent. And that's a great way to just say, all right, I'm still Brandon Sprode and it impressed those scouts very much so that were in attendance. The next game, it was a little bit more closer as Missouri did start off with those two runs. But again, the Gators have a lot of comeback wins this year. I don't know the exact number, but uh, Missouri ended up tacking on two with the top, with the two-run home run and then another two-run home run in the third inning. And you were thinking 4-0 Missouri, and you were thinking, oh, this isn't this isn't so good. But the Gators settled in, and they're able to get the four runs back in the third inning with in a very, very impressive way of bouncing back and coming back. And it, it continued. And a few innings later, they put up another crooked number, which we've seen a lot this series, the Gators do against Missouri. And they made it nine to four. So it, it was just impressive to see the offense just, in my opinion, have bring home those runs. We brought home a lot of runs this, this game, these three games. We didn't really strand have issues stranding runners or not getting that clutch hit. And that was impressive to see. We didn't let that the runners in scoring position issues get to us. The Gators just brought home the runs and they had for the most part, the pitching was able to prevent anything too scary going on. I mean, I'll go to the third game. It was a little bit, little bit. We got some uh, flashbacks to past games, but still, it's a sweep. And the third game was a very impressive yet tough game as Missouri was not wanting to get swept. They made it very clear that they didn't want to get swept. The Gators did open up with that 3-0 lead. Caglione got got another home run later in the game as he is now, I think, one from tying the record of the most home runs for a Gator baseball player in the history of the program. So I think that that's... In a single season, yeah. In a single season. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're still... We still have two series left, and we still have regional play, and we still have hopefully super regional play. So I just think that just shows that Caglione is I, I know this word could be over this term phrase could be overused a lot, but I mean generational talent could he could very well turn out to be that if, he might if be. this continues. I mean and, he's got, uh, he still has another year left of eligibility before he, he well no, he's got two years of eligibility left. He's got one more that he's guaranteed to have, which is crazy. Yes. And it's not like you expect him to be I mean, he's already mashing at the plate. I mean, to expect him to be an amazing pitcher, it's it, he's still he still only gave up that one run. Missouri stranded a lot of runners. He only went three innings that game, but he still got five Ks. Only limited the damage. Cade Fisher, I know his line didn't look as good as as it was. He was dealing in the beginning, then it was just a couple hit by pitches that uh, just kind of just, and then Missouri kind of just got right back to. To it, they put up six runs later, and the Gators had the eight to three lead, and they put up six six runs in the last two of the last three innings, including four runs in the eighth to make it with nobody out, eight to seven. That's when we brought in Brandon Neely, who we 
probably, like you mentioned before, could have very much used him, especially in that first game we lost in South Carolina where we gave up those 10 runs in those last two innings. We could have very much used him because he slammed the door in a very, very impressive way. I mean, he was throwing strikes, pitching quickly, and he was just generating the swing and misses. And he, he on, and honestly, in my opinion, has the makeup to be our closer. And he went two innings, and Missouri stranded that Missouri runner, prevented them from tying the game, and he did this patented let's go celebration this time, and nothing. thankfully nothing happened for, for that, warranted that to happen. But, I mean, Brandon Neely was very impressive in the eighth and ninth innings, making sure Missouri and the Gators didn't have Missouri didn't get, give the Gators another bullpen collapse. And that could have maybe overshadowed the series win, but therefore he shut the door and got the sweep, and the Gators are looking ahead for for a road series this weekend. Yeah, I mean, definitely definitely thankful to see that Brian DeBrower did not just pop out of thin air and eject him, which I was kind of half expecting. I didn't, I didn't expect to see it happen last time, so, I mean, I don't know. You, you think it wouldn't happen once, but no, I mean, it, it was a great sweep. Um, I mean, to your point about Missouri being the kind of midweek opponent, you do think that from looking at their record, they're a paltry five and sixteen in the SEC, and yet their RPI is forty-four. They're the forty-fourth best team in the country according to the D1 baseball's RPI, which means they're going to be in the conversation to get an NCAA tournament bid, which you wouldn't think from a team that's won a quarter of their SEC games, but that's just a testament to how stacked and loaded the SEC is. And, I mean, you you took pretty much all the good talking points uh, from that series, so I'll just keep mine simple. It's great to see that the Gators were able to just put the last weekend behind them and come back out with a new focus and get the job done. Granted, the level of opposition shifted dramatically, but still could have thought, well, Maybe they're going to come and play dead. Maybe they're just going to be demoralized by what happened last week because previous Gator teams might have. I mean, the, the 21 and 22 teams would kind of go back and forth. It was a bit of a roller coaster, but they would kind of tend to let one or two losses turn into, you know, two and five stretches or three and eight stretches before they'd bounce back and then they'd win like seven to 10 or so. No, this team doesn't let anything sit for any extended amount of time they came right back out there they did their jobs like you said the last game got a little bit closer than probably most gator fans would have liked but nonetheless great to see that they got the job done three straight times and got a sweep of the tigers to go 500 in the last two weeks of the sec play but that said uh, i think we think we talked softball to death for now we know pretty much all we're gonna know for now did a good job looking ahead um, but with them a little bit. But Gator baseball has a little bit more to go because they're two weeks behind in uh, of Gator softball. So two weeks more of data that has yet to be rolled out to us that we don't have yet. So what are you looking to see the last couple of weeks of the regular season as Florida? Because we know the Gators are going to be a, a top 16 team. That, that's pretty much guaranteed. Uh, not quite yet guaranteed of a top eight seed, though, which guarantees them a super regional hosting spot. So what are you looking to see from them the last couple of weeks of the year to hopefully lock up that top eight spot? I mean, if you're going to go series by series, I would say 
then this upcoming series against Texas A&M, we definitely need to win that series, um, preferably a sweep. But, I mean, a series wins are always important when you're trying to, in the eyes of the NCAA tournament committee. And then, and then after that, you're facing a top team in Vanderbilt who is definitely capable of coming into Gainesville and winning a series. You definitely need to prevent that from happening and get that series win. And along the way, not super worried about our offense. Um, it's hard to say anything that we superly need to improve there. Maybe finalize some bullpen pieces, like who's going to be that middle reliever, just in case it may not be Brandon Sproat's day, which that does happen a lot in baseball, or Hurts and Waldrop's day. or And also maybe that third starter, um, Jack Caglione, or who's it going to be, Jack Caglione, Tyler Nesbitt, um, it's just it's important to maybe finalize some pieces there. And yeah, including those series wins, you definitely need to win those series at least. And but to be a little bit more comfortable, maybe one of them be sweeps. And then definitely win three games at least in the SEC tournament up in Hoover to help your help you preferably go deeper than that. I'm saying this is just the bare minimum. Series two series wins and to win maybe three games in Hoover in the SEC tournament. But um, you probably, to be a little bit more comfortable, there are a lot of good teams up there in the top. Um, it's 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 tough out there. It's competitive. The Gators are a very, very good team. Don't get me wrong. They're the offense. We haven't seen the offense and the way they bounce back. Preferably, any other Gator team would not do what they do. They would not sweep a, a, a series right after falling down. That's just something that we haven't seen really hardly ever the way they just bounce back really well but yeah that's just really what i'm looking for finalizing the pieces trying just to win series trying doing those things and then maybe get a sweep and get the get a sweep to help you feel a little bit more comfortable to secure that top eight seed yeah i mean that that's all that's all useful if the gators are able to to do that um for me it's pretty simple i just need to see more consistency out of the bullpen because we know what we're going to get from Brandon Neely for the most part. Yes, I'll have bad days like everyone, but he's he's definitely the most consistent reliever Florida's got. I need to see at least one and, and preferably two more relievers step up and become that consistent over the next three weeks. Because we've got the SEC tournament, too, as another data point that we could potentially gain some information from. I'm going to say we need two more relievers because typically for a regional or for a college world series pool, you're going to need three consistent, reliable relievers to get the job done. And I'm going to say that Florida is in need of two more because they just don't have it. Philip Abner has shown in spots. He can be great. He's shown in other spots. Not so much. Uh, Tyler Nesbitt, same thing. Cade Fisher, I think has probably been the closest to it, but he's definitely had some not good outings himself. Um, and then, I mean, you want to talk about the starting pitching. Cags has definitely been up and down this year. I think, I mean, Waldrop and Sprout have been as consistent as you can reasonably ask. I wouldn't say that that they've been elite, but they've definitely been, they've certainly been above average pitchers in the SEC. I would make the argument that they've been very good pitchers as far as SEC starters go. But the Gators are just going to need that much more help because if you're going to get to the College World Series, you're going to need to have both ends of the offense and defense piece of it. And the Gators do have the fielding component of it, but well, pitching is a different thing altogether. So Gators don't have that, um, that we know of in the bullpen. 
And that's the thing that's going to cost them if they don't figure it out. I mean, maybe it's someone we don't even think about right now. Maybe it's someone like a Blake Purnell stepping in and, and doing more than he has been doing recently. So I don't know, but we're going to need to see that over the next couple of weeks to be able to objectively trust this Gator team. Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcast. Definitely would appreciate that. Uh, please go to our website, inallkindsofweather.com, and you will see our new sponsor displayed right there on the homepage, Alma Mater. Produces amazing apparel, amazing clothing uh, that has to do with pretty much every Florida Gator athlete that uh, I'm looking at it right now. They have football, baseball, basketball, softball. They've got some volleyball stuff in there. They've got gymnastics. And the proceeds go to help Gator athletes be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. So to, to support the Florida Gator athletes and support one of our sponsors, please go to our website and all kind of weather.com and you will see a link for alma mater right there on the homepage. That said, till next time, y'all uh, be a couple weeks till our next show. I am out of the country starting on Thursday, so I'm not sure how much I'll get to watch of the Texas A&M series. None of us are going to be able to watch the FSU game because the ACC network does not believe in airing live murders on their network. So we're not going to get to watch that, but uh, hopefully we'll have some good stuff from Texas A&M series to talk about. I'll do what I can to watch the highlights when I get back. Um, maybe we'll have a pod to talk about that mid next week. And the Gator softball team concludes its regular season as well with a series against Kentucky on the road. Hopefully we'll have more good things to talk about with them as well. But until then, y'all stay safe and stay healthy. Ethan, been good having you on, man. We'll about we'll to do this again soon sometime. All right. Thank you for having me and go Gators. Go Gators.